the volume. The Sessions podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. Let me tell you a few reasons why. First of all, they are America's number one sportsbook. Duh. Uh, it's super easy to use. It's safe and secure. No tomfoolery. Fast payouts. As quick as two hours. And there's also so many different betting types. You know, the same game parlay bets, live betting, player props, features, you name it. We got it over here. I mean, there's risk-free bets, enhanced odds markets, so much more. It's all here, all in one app, all in one place. The fast payouts and the safe and security. I mean, come on. Now, guys, if you're new, you just have to download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and get started right now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so they know that your girl sent ya. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text Text HOPE and Y four six seven three six nine for New York. Tennessee Redline one eight hundred eight eight nine nine seven eight nine in Tennessee. Visit www1800 gamblernet for West Virginia. How the hell are you doing? What's going on? We're entering another lockdown up here in Canada, so we are figuring out how to work in those confines. You know, so much of our uh, normal life is spent touring, and so now we're like, okay, what, what other projects can we take on right now? So we're in the studio actually today. We're working on new music. I think a lot of bands and artists have like four albums worth of material now that have just been <laughs> that they're sitting on. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for having me. Oh my, no, I'm so glad to have you on. I'm sure you don't remember this, but I interviewed you a million years ago. On the score? It wasn't even for the score. This was like, I was working for what was Byte TV at the time, which kind of merged with Ox TV. And yeah, I mean, this was like a million years ago, right? When like Jackson Square was coming out. Like this is a... Whoa. Yeah, we were like in Hamilton. I actually think I might have been shooting something. Maybe I was... No, I wasn't working at the score. I was going to say I thought I was doing something with like the Tiger Cats at the time. I don't know. I was just in Hamilton and we did an interview. But anyways, here we are a thousand years later. Well, it's been so cool to see uh, your career uh, evolve. And because I, I obviously remember you most from the score. And then, you know, you, you stop paying attention for a second and then you turn around and you're like, oh, Renee's in L.A. And like, holy shit. Like, wow. Like, a, a lot is happening. And But I uh, mentioned to my friend um, Adam Birchall, who's now – who's a friend from Hamilton. He's now like the head of music at TikTok. But he worked at Live Nation for a long time. And I mentioned he's a huge wrestling fan. And I mentioned I was doing the, the podcast with you. And he said, your dad is an old school Live Nation person. Is that correct? Yeah. So my dad toured with Anne Murray for like 14 years. And then he started working for House of Blues for a long time. And then when that became Live Nation, yeah, he was the guy down at the amphitheater doing all the shows there. But my brother actually works. Oh, God, now I don't even know what the name of the building is. But he works with you guys. He helped you guys with the Grey Cup. Oh, what company is he with? What's his name? 
I'm going to screw it up now because he used to work for Claire and now I don't know what the name of it is. He's okay. going to kill me. Um, his name's Eric. Okay. Um, okay, so here's the thing. So a couple of years ago, I was just um, telling uh, one of my producers about this, but so this was probably like two, three years ago. I had not been home to Toronto in quite a while or at least not spent like a substantial amount of time there. And I spent the summer in Toronto. It was the time of my life. Mm. I love Toronto so much. I miss it. I long for it. But as I'm like, you know, getting back into like the vibe of the city and checking things out, the Arkells are everywhere. Like <laughs> everywhere. Trying. Oh my God. I feel like you guys are like Toronto's band. Does it feel that way to you? I guess that's kind of a weird thing to answer, but. No, I mean, it's nice that we, that we know we can, you know, put a show up on sale and, and people are going to come. You know, I think every artist, no matter their size, is always worried about like, are people going to come to the gig? Like I even heard an interview with Chris Martin from Coldplay and he was talking about, he's like, you know, it doesn't matter that we've like sold out stadiums around the world. The thing that keeps me up at night is that like, we're not moving enough tickets in Pittsburgh. It's like <laughs> fucking Pittsburgh is fucked right now. No one's coming to that. We're, we're way behind schedule in Pittsburgh. And I think every band has a version of that. So it's like whether you're playing clubs or bigger theaters or you're, you know, doing amphitheaters or whatever. It's always just like, what's the next step? How can we keep growing it? But uh, yeah, no, we, we feel very lucky that like we don't have real jobs. I always try to just put it in that perspective, right? It's just like, when are they going to tell us that we have to go back and get a real job? And so the fact that... Oh, I think about that all the time. And I'm like, what would my resume look like? What would I do? I have no idea. Well, what would you do if you had to do a regular job? What would you like gravitate towards? I feel like I'd just be like, I'm going to go be a waitress, I guess. I don't know. I'm, I am very, I don't have much to offer except I can have a great conversation. Yeah, it's a good question. I like delegating because I'm not really good at anything, but I like working with people that are good at stuff. Like I, I like having big picture ideas or feelings. And I think that happens when you're writing songs and you're putting together like a show, you know, with your band. But like when it comes to like the execution of like what a light shade looks like on the stage or like a, a mix looks like, like I'm bad at all that stuff. So I really rely on the team around me to do anything. So you would flounder out in the real world. You would not do well. Oh, absolutely. And I think I actually have a good work ethic now, but I think if it was something I didn't care about, I'd be fucking so lazy. I'd be so lazy I'd, and I'd be a bad employee. My last waitressing job was at the Black Bull on uh, Queen West, baby. That was my last place I waitressed. And I remember I like enjoyed working there because you didn't really have to be a good waitress. It wasn't about like, you don't have to charm anybody. You were kind of in and out. I was like, hey, I can handle this. The no bullshit, I can, I can kind of do that. Not so bad. I got fired from my last uh, real job uh, at serving at Eastside Mario's in, in Dundas, Ontario. I miss Eastside Mario's so much. What's I, the American the cheese equivalent? Cheese Yeah, cheese um, <laughs> I mean, I guess the Olive Garden, which we had Olive Garden in Canada for about 30 seconds, and it did not last. It's so weird to me how things succeed in Canada and don't succeed in the United States and vice versa. It's so bizarre to me. Um, I don't understand like what kind of makes that go. I mean, even in like for like our careers, like did you guys ever want to go to the United States and try to like work down here? Or did you kind of want to stay in, in Canada? Yeah, I mean, we've been touring down in the States consistently. We've been touring in the UK, uh, in Germany pretty consistently for like the last probably eight years. And um, the way we try to think about it is that it's just like, any amount of success anywhere is incredibly difficult. And 
you know, there's so many examples of groups that like headline festivals in the UK and then they come to America and do, you know, 200 cap clubs and vice versa too. There, there's bands that are massive in America that could be selling out 3000 cap rooms all across the country. But, you know, if they go to Germany, nobody cares. So the, so the amount of like Coldplay's out there that exist is in the 0.0000001%. So we sort of try to take every kind of market uh, as its own case. And we're like, okay, if we can move a few more tickets or win over that many more people in, you know, Chicago, is it better than the last time we played in Chicago? And that's the way we try to try to rationalize everything. And, you know, you were mentioning about like different products or brands that are huge in one place and not so big in other places like Top Man. They tried to open in Canada, then they closed up shop. So it's easy to sort of, I think, get in your own head about like what success means. But I, for us, it's like as long as we're not working a real job and we're like creatively satisfied every day, then that's sort of like I think the goal for for us. Well, I mean, you guys are doing incredibly well. Are there U.S. markets or U.S. towns that you do better in? Uh, I'd say the places we've just been more. So it's like we're playing like House of Blues in Chicago. Uh, we're playing Irving Plaza. We're playing the 930 Club in D.C., and uh, those are like kind of like the 930 Club is like a legendary venue. It's like kind of regularly voted like the best kind of 1200 cap club in the country. So for us, even getting to play there is like, oh, this is fucking this is exciting. This is awesome. Let's talk about the Grey Cup because that was really cool that you guys got to play the Grey Cup. You guys and the Lumineers, like what all went in to that show because yeah. I mean, you guys were rehearsing you were like walking and singing yeah it was you know, a whole deal it's a good question because and i like talking about it because we've built up this skill set of being a live band right and we we i think we are we're getting pretty good at that and knowing how to relate to an audience and connect with an audience but putting on a show for television as you know is much different than entertaining a live audience and there's some overlap but there's a lot of things that you just do much differently if you're only thinking about the TV viewer at home. And the Grey Cup for uh, our American listeners and watchers is like the Super Bowl of Canada. It's like the final game in the Canadian Football League. We were the halftime show. And we got to build out this like 15-minute musical performance any way we wanted. And uh, to their credit, they allowed us to sort of take full creative control and we got to build out this sort of like medley of songs of our kind of biggest material we invited the lumineers up and the lumineers are one of our favorite you know folk rock bands in america who doesn't love them some lumineers come on right and we played on one of their songs they played on one of our songs uh and Kay flay who's an amazing um sort of multi-genre artist from la she came up and did a song with us that we have together you can get it and uh it was all live on television, so you could, there's no redos, and you're kind of hoping that the people in the truck are cutting at the, at the right spots. So when we finished the show, we are like, that all felt good, right? And so we all gave each other a thumbs up there. But then it was like, okay, let's watch it back and hope that all the sort of sleight of hand stuff that we were trying to pull off and the lighting and everything looked as good as we'd hope. And they did an amazing job in the production side. So a huge shout out to them. What was even the process of being asked to do the Grey Cup? I think the CFL has like a goal of trying to attract uh, big international uh, stars. Like the, the, the last time the Grey Cup happened, which was two years ago because of COVID, they couldn't have it the year before. Uh, they had Keith Urban and Keith Urban flew in from Nashville or wherever he was and he put on a great show. And, and before that, like Imagine Dragons have done it. Shania Twain has done it. Come on, let's go girls. 
<laughs> That's right. <laughs> and um, our names, I think, been thrown about when they're discussing it. And this year just kind of worked out, I guess, uh, maybe with the borders being shut down. They had no other choice but to give it to old Arkells. How Canadian of you. That's very Canadian of you to downplay this amazing accomplishment. It's really cool. Like, that's something you should be, I mean, obviously you are proud of it, but like, wow. Yeah, it was cool. You know, I think it was like one of those things where it's like, if someone were to ask, oh yeah, like, I want to go check out your band. Like, show me a thing you've done. I'm like, oh, this kind of like encompasses everything we're about. Because when it, the band is a five-piece band, we met at university, Tim, Mike, uh, Nick, and Tony and I, but we tour with this extended horn section and singers, the Arquette. So it turns into this big soul production. So it's somewhere between like David Byrne talking heads with some like good old school like Canadian rock and roll that's influenced by, you know, like the band or Bruce Springsteen. Uh, we love Neil Young. I know you love Neil Young. Love me some Neil Young. <laughs> and I think that kind of represents like what we're sort of about. And yeah, so it was, it was amazing, honestly. And like the other thing is, I know I mentioned earlier, I think everybody is like just looking for some kind of purpose in their life right now. You know, like everyone's like, what is a thing that I can chase after that I can dream about? I can wake up looking forward to. And for us, we got the call kind of early November that we were going to do the halftime show. It happened December 12th. So for like a month, we're like planning every single day. That's not a very long time to like get it together. No, it was it was a ton of work. Yeah, normally you have a little bit more time to prep, but I think everything's just been in flux. So yeah, like what's the pyro going to look like? How are we going to transition from song to song? When are the Lumineers going to arrive? All, all that. Uh, so it was... It was, it was a lot, but it was awesome. Like, I'm like, just give me another one of these projects. Let's talk about some of your guys' Motown influences. I know that's such a huge thing for you guys. Is that sort of the common ground of musical taste that you guys kind of arrived upon? We love a lot of different kinds of music. Like, obviously, the Beatles, Motown, all the stuff our parents would have raised us on. I mean, we love modern music. You know, it's like, I mean, we grew up with a certain amount of, like, 90s rock. We I love hip-hop. Like, I say, like, you know, maybe the most influential artist for a lot of us is, like, Kanye West. I uh, love Jay-Z, like love a lot of classic hip hop. Uh, but yeah, my dad went to school. He's from, my dad's actually American. He's from New York City originally. He went to Detroit for university. He went to Wayne State University and he was a DJ at the local college radio station. So he had all the, these old vinyls from all these great Motown artists. And when I was born, he put them on. And so I love, you know, Smokey Robinson, The Temptations, Diana Ross, Stevie Wonder. All that is like very timeless songwriting. And it's just like universal. Were those some of the things that you like to sing to the most though? Because it seems like it's the most fun to really let loose to. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, and as young musicians, when the band was starting, I think a lot of like white dudes playing guitar music would be like, all right, what Led Zeppelin song are we going to play? And I was like, okay, but I was like, what'd be more interesting to me is like, what if we did some Motown? Because I don't see as many people doing that. And I think I just love that more anyway. And then we had it. And then we're like, oh, here's an opportunity to play with a horn section. That's pretty fun. It's really lent uh, a lot of sort of musical education to what we do because we're able to just learn so much from, from those musicians. It's pretty crazy even just to think like, you know, as I was saying at the beginning, like when you guys first started and, you know, put out Jackson Square to where you guys are now, you're what, 33 right I'm, now? I, I, I'm, right? I think a year younger than you. I just turned 35, so I'm in 86. Oh, oh, oh okay. Am I allowed to say that? I looked right. up on your Wikipedia before. We no, I'm glad that you did because I looked up yours and it told me you were 33, so Wikipedia is lying. lying to you, so that's good. Wikipedia is like full of shit. Wikipedia used to say that I was a year older than I was and let me tell you how much I hated that. <laughs> um, I was 
like, can somebody fix this? I don't know how to go in there and fix this, but please somebody fix this. <laughs> but you guys have been at this for some time. You're, I mean, you're young and you've been at this for such a long time. How much has the music business changed from when you guys started to where you're at now? I mean, things have changed a lot in the music business. I like this question because it reminds me of like how difficult it is to have a career writing your own music and performing your own music. Because I think about a lot of the bands that we came up with that were our peers that just don't really exist anymore as bands. Like it, it is hard. Like the lifespan of most bands is like probably three to five years if you're lucky. And so the fact that our first record came out in 2008 and, you know, we're still going strong now is I feel very happy about. Uh, I'd say the last two years has been really interesting, especially because it's like, you know, it went from CDs to, okay, we're doing streaming stuff now through Apple Music and Spotify, and obviously that still exists. And now with like stuff like TikTok as a device for musical discovery, it's like it's another thing you have to sort of think about. It's so confusing. Are you on TikTok? Are you on TikTok? Fuck no. We are, and we try our best to have fun with it. And there's days where you're like, oh, yeah, I've really figured out this app. I know how how to make a successful TikTok. And there's other days where you're like, I have no idea uh, what is going to connect. It's, it's much different. So you kind of just have to reframe how you think about the content itself. The thing that blows my mind about TikTok is like, because there's days that I'm like, hey, I should jump on this. And I'm like, I don't have fucking eight hours a day to, to figure out this dance. Yeah, we don't really do the dances either. But hopefully there's like, the idea is that there's like a corner of TikTok that appeals to you and that connects with you, and that is sort of like the time you should spend with it. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting. It really has the industry has really changed. I think for us, so much of our business though is based around the live show. So it's like that's the one thing that I feel comforted in. In that it's like sure, like technology can change, trends can change, genres can become less and more popular. But like if we can always deliver like a good live show that has like a universal appeal that like anybody can go to and go, oh yeah, that band's fucking good. I'll pay 30 bucks for a ticket. Then I, then I feel good about that. Sometimes I feel like I'm becoming that like crotchety old woman that's like, get off my lawn. When I'm like, man, there's, you know, there's so many different ways for people to, you know, quote unquote, to like be discovered or to like have their talent shine through a thing. And it's so different from like, I mean, essentially our careers started at the same time in completely different venues, but we started at the same time. And I feel like, I mean, definitely for me, it was like, you got to hit the pavement. I had a physical headshot and resume and like I had my demo reel burnt on a disc. I'm knocking on like much music's doors. Like that just doesn't exist anymore. Kids don't have to do that at all anymore. At least I don't think they do. But like, what's like your advice to, to people trying to break into this business now? Find people. I think ultimately find people that you like working with. I really think that's like such a huge part of it because then it feels less lonely and it's easy to, to sort of get in your own head about what your career means. As long as you have a peer group, no matter what you're doing, that you can lean on for support and you can have fun doing it, then it'll be okay. I think it's like the feelings of like loneliness and failure when you're trying to you know, become something in the entertainment industry, that is the hardest part. So do your best to remedy that by just finding good people that, that also um, help your skill set too. I think everybody can bring something different to the party. Like, you know, you're a host, but you rely on a production team and other people that are really good at their job. I think that'd be my advice is just like find your people and, and that'll make the whole, the whole experience better. What, 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 would you, what advice would you give? 
it's working hard and being nice to people and like having real connections with people, you know, like know everybody in the room, make sure you're paying attention to who everybody is and have conversations with people and always have a willingness to, to learn new things and new skills. Like maybe I should be on fucking TikTok. I don't know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I think that is the thing is just like keeping your eyes and your ears open and having like a willingness to adapt and being open to opportunities. Um, I kind of talk out both sides of my mouth with that because there's times that I've been like, oh, I've said yes to an opportunity because I'm like, well, let's see what I can make of this. And I'm like, I kind of wish I didn't waste time doing this thing that maybe I shouldn't have done. But sometimes those things lead to other avenues. Like, God, I never imagined in a million years would have imagined that I would have worked in wrestling. That was never the thing that I was like, that's what I'm going to go do. And it's like, oh, my God, if I had not had said yes to certain opportunities, I would not have landed where I did and ended up in the world that I ended up in. Like it's, you know, I think it's just kind of being open to different things and seeing what the world offers you. Yeah. It's funny that temperament question that you're kind of getting at is really interesting. Cause like on one hand, like everything is important. Like you're like, everything is meaningful. Every moment counts, like really be thought. And then on the other hand, I often tell people that are maybe up too uptight. I'm like, listen, nothing matters. Just like try something and get on with it. Like, you know, it's like, who gives a shit? Like just try your best. Don't overthink it. Tomorrow's a new fucking day. You know, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's hard to manage both those things being completely true, I think. Where like it all yeah, counts. It's hard to find that. <laughs> yeah. But nothing matters. So just try a bunch of stuff and have a good time. Just find the middle ground in that that works yeah, yeah. for you and then we'll go from there. <laughs> hey, I want to ask though, because you're very, I think for a lot of people in Canada in the entertainment industry, you're a role model and you're a success story for like someone who like, you know, made the jump to America, who's finding a lot of success in America. What, what, what was, uh, and I apologize if this is stuff that you've talked about a lot on the podcast or, but when it comes to making that career choice to spend more time in the States, like what, what was that like for you? So for me, it was a very deliberate decision that I had been working at the score. I had kind of done the things that I really wanted to do. And even at the time of me getting to the score, I was literally at like essentially my own crossroads where I was like, hey, I either want to go work for Much Music or I want to go work for the score because they were both two places that I could get on national television, which is hard to find in Canada. There's not a lot of places to get that broad exposure. Um, so obviously things at the score panned out and it was great for me to be there. But once my time started to wind down, um, I just, it's this ceiling that can kind of happen within Canada that kind of makes, it makes me sad because I love Canada and I love working in Canada. Um, but there's just not a lot, there's not enough opportunity. There's not enough spaces for everybody to get that time and to really get to do the things that they want to do. That's why I was like, well, if I go to America, there's way, there's way more TV channels. There's way more production companies. There's just so much more stuff I can do. Listen, if I could have stayed home and bid George Stropolopoulos, maybe I would have done that. But um, just having more of that opportunity, but it can be such a hiccup and it's so much work and it can be so daunting to get your work papers together, to find someone that's going to be able to sponsor you, to help, you know, sort of make your own dreams come true. There can be a lot of roadblocks along the way. um, And that's always been something that I don't think a lot of people pay as much attention to between Canada and the United States. You don't realize that like, no, you really do. You have to get your different visas and you have to jump through all these hoops in order to just maintain any kind of job. And then, then you're tethered to that one job. And it's like, it's a, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to wrap your head around for sure. Yeah, you're right though. Like Canada is just a smaller pie. Like America is a very big pie with many slices of that pie. And Canada is like a very small pie. But there's sometimes like there's people in Canada whose careers that I like, 
I really look up to and I really love. Like, I love Marilyn Dennis. I think she's fantastic. I love that she's had her show for so long. No, it's true, you know, and I, yeah, I think it's one of these like truly like to each their own sort of thing where it's like if you love the adventure of going down to L.A. and you're up for the challenge, awesome. If you are also just like if you love living in downtown Toronto, you have a family here or something like that, then you're like, you know, it's like it actually is just as much fun to to do that here. Like Jay Onright is a friend. Do you know Jay? Love Jay. He's fantastic. He's the best. And and he uh, obviously works for TSN. He he runs Sports Center now. He was down in LA doing Fox uh, Sports and had a great run with them. And now he's back here and he's a happy camper. Like he he and both gigs are great for different reasons. And the thing that's cool with him too is that um, Fox hired Jay to be Jay. They let Jay do him. He's, and so for people that don't know, Jay is he's a sportscaster, but he's very funny. Um, he's just he's like a cool dude and he just he delivers sports in such a different way but still behind a desk in a suit it looks more traditional but it's not delivered to you traditionally it can be zany and silly and that's what I love about Canada and that's I think that's one of those things that like sometimes America just doesn't get that it can fall a little flat sometimes Uh, yeah it's it's just it's such a tricky funny thing how do you like podcasting I like it because I can do whatever I want and we just turn on the mics and we get to bullshit but what I love about it is being able to have conversations like with somebody mm-hmm. like you I mean as much as you know I have tons of wrestlers on the show and um, I get to pick their brains but I love being able to have someone like you on the show and like yeah like I love knowing about everyone's stories I'm so curious about everybody's like their own story one of my favorite parts about being in, in, a, in a band of being a musician is getting to talk to people that are outside of the music world. So I was at a um, I was at a party for TIFF, which is Toronto International Film Festival. And I met a guy. He seemed to be there like by himself, and, we, and he asked what I did. I was like, I'm a musician. He's like, Oh, I'm visiting from New York. And we started talking about music. Anything. One thing led to another, and it turned out that he is the CEO of the Brooklyn Nets. And I'm a huge basketball fan. How do you rub elbows with all the fanciest people in basketball? What's going on? Well, I don't know. Well, I mean, that's my my other true passion is basketball. Uh, and the, uh, yeah, so anyway, and his name is John Abamondi. Awesome guy. Really interesting story. He's like from Oklahoma, small town. Nobody would really go to college. He ended up going to MIT. He goes to Stanford for his MBA, and he then becomes an assistant general manager with the St. Louis Cardinals and then the Padres, then works for MSG. And then, anyway, I find his story to be endlessly interesting and I only really got to chat with him because he found me interesting as a guy in a band Rumble is so great it's the time that all the seeds get planted for Wrestlemania we now kind of know where we're headed Um, I do wish that some of the names hadn't all been announced I wish that there was a couple more question marks um, especially in the women's Rumble because I mean is this the third or fourth women's I think it's the fifth, actually. Is it really? I think it's the fifth. I'm not too sure. I think somebody on the internet will give us a lashing, but you could correct us. It's okay. I know that I'm wrong. Because in my mind, I'm like, it's three. And then I'm like, no, because I think that is for sure four. But you're right. It's probably five. Oh, my gosh. Anyways, I understand certain ones of like, you know, Lita, she's been in it before. The twins have been in it, I will say, because Nicole was out with her neck injury and was definitely questionable about what her health was if she was going to be cleared to be able to get back in the ring. I think that one was a little bit like, eh, I I would have loved to have just heard their music kick in. And two other ones, of course, that really got my goat. People freaked out, of course, having Mickey James 
be in it. But don't you think people would have freaked out more if they had just heard her music and she came out? Yeah, because I think the whole Forbidden Door thing, it really would have been like, whoa, wait a minute. Are they playing nice in the sandbox? Yeah, because WWE always, exactly, like WWE seems like they're, they're not, they're like kind of above it and they just, they, they do their own thing, they have their own roster and that's all they kind of work with and, and that's fine. Um, but I, I like this though, like I love that this is happening. I love that Mickey James is going to be a part of the Royal Rumble. And, and the other one for me before I get back to more Mickey James stuff is, uh, Summer Rae because she's not been in any of the stuff since she left. Um, so that would have been a really cool one to be like, oh my gosh, like, Girl, like I, I, it's actually funny to me that she had not been called back for the other ones. Kind of surprising, um, but this I think it'll be really, really cool. I know she's super excited to be in it. Um, but yeah, I, I th- so the Mickey James stuff with like the Forbidden Door. Do you think that we will see any more of that either in the Rumble or even just moving forward in general? Like you said, it's like the rosters are very thin right now. I would like to believe that we could live in a wrestling utopia where everything is perfect and every company works well together and there's no like skullduggery yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like rivalries uh-huh. or whatever. Tell me more. But you know, as well as I do, you know, um, that this company in particular likes to create a narrative and rightfully so when you were the only game in town for damn near 30 years. And you create your own vocabulary and syntax and lexicon. But even you said it, it'll be forever ingrained that the road to WrestleMania starts at Royal Rumble. Like you say it just as natural as breathing. So they create this own thing. So I don't see them bringing in, let's just say, and I would love to see her perform at a Royal Rumble because I think she's had such an incredible 2020 and 2021, and I think she's going to have an incredible 2022. Jenna Right, my mind, you're so yeah, in you're it right now. One. You're living in it. And I would love to see her perform there and get that acclaim that she did not get when she was there. And again, if we were talking picture-perfect utopian society, I would love to see the DMD. Oh, my word. But I don't think that they would ever play nice in the sandbox with any company like that. No, because that's a situation where, like, if Britt were to enter the Royal Rumble, first of all, she'd have to be in it for a long time. Like, she's got to get that proper rub. It's got to be worthwhile. She can't job to a bunch of people. Like, there's no way Tony would let that happen either. But that's not saying there's not a way to find a way to make everybody happy. Right, but I just don't see it happening. So I think... No, I don't either. I think it's real smart that you have a Mickey and a Summer because, you know, they were with the company for a very, very long time, and they could come back. And to be honest with you, if Mickey stays in, let's say, 25 minutes or breaks the the record that Natty holds at an hour and 53 minutes, right? Well, then guess what? It's great, but if she's out in five seconds, does it really hurt her at this point? No, because she's a certified legend. It does not hurt Mickey at all, but I think that it definitely would send a message to other promotions of like, meh, we don't care about your talent that much. Like, I think that's what happens. It does not hurt Mickey, though. Which always makes me question to the validity of certain things. You definitely got to go in there with your head on a swivel. That's oh, damn sure. Right. But you know what, though? This is why Brett's the Rumble is... Brett! <laughs> but this is why the Rumble is so good because it really is the only pay-per-view that you could really talk about speculations and things yes, like this. yeah. Oh, it's the best. Um, okay, so on the other side of that, what is your reaction 
to knowing that a few talent have denied going in the Royal Rumble. This is this hearsay? Is this confirmed? I think it's more hearsay. I'll put like an asterisk next to this. But I do like it's funny to hear like I you know the rumblings are that the iconics were offered a spot in the Rumble and they turned it down. Um, I feel like I know several other people that were maybe offered spots and also turned it down. Coming from from Cassie and Jesse specifically, right? Because we had them on the show and they both cried on this podcast that they got released, right? So it's like, how could you, hey, we're going to invite you back because you did this incredibly cool thing on your own. And everyone loves you. You trended on your debut for Impact Wrestling. You're the knockout tag team champions. You did the thing on your own. Now we're going to bring you back for this one thing. And then we're going to let you go. We're going to say bye-bye to you again. It is a kick straight in the lady dick. Like straight up your lady dick. I don't blame them for feeling that way if that's how it went to be like, oh, oh, you guys let too many people go and now you need more bodies to fill a 30-woman Royal Rumble. Interesting how that happens. You know, like I couldn't help but be slighted by that. Like, you know, as much as you can leave on good terms and you feel like everything, you know, it is what it is and everyone's happy and everyone's working and life has gone on and it's fine. But you can't help but be a little bit better, you know? Hey, but more power to them for saying no, if that is the case. So I'm looking at some of the names, right? And you're better at this than I am because last year you smoked my ass on who you thought was going to win the men's and who you thought was going to win the women's. So do we want to do that again this year? Of course, we must. Okay, so I'm going to run down I'm going to run down a couple of names and you tell me what tickles your pickle, okay? Okay, let's tickle pickles, baby. All right. Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan, Charlotte Flair, Naomi, Rhea Ripley, Nikki Ash, The Twins, Carmella, Queen Zelina, Your Bestie, Lita, Michelle McCool, Kelly Kelly, The 24-7 Champion, Dana Brooke, Natalia, Mickey James, Tamina, Shayna Baszler, Summer Rae, Aaliyah, and Shotzi. Um, let's also add in... The rumblings for Rumble. What if Rondo shows up? And going with them, I think that's the one that does the 27 spot. Everybody loves the 27 spot. Number 27, the most wins. Kicks, punches, judo throws, and she wins. Bring in that mom strength, baby. Yeah, like, I wonder how she's doing. Um, I mean, she's only had her baby a few months ago. It's so funny how, like... And I I love this. I'm obviously all for this. I'm all about cranking out a baby and getting back to business. But I will also say, like, it takes a toll. When you are just a couple months postpartum, it's a big deal. And a big spotlight all of a sudden is on you. And it's like, oh, my God, do I really want to be thrown into the mix like that? But Ronda Rousey is obviously a different beast of a human being i mean you want to talk about somebody who just wants to accomplish shit left right and center uh you know the do what is it don't don't be a do nothing bitch that's one of my favorite phrases i love it so much um so ronda's obviously more than capable of getting in there and and being an insane athlete that she is i think it's time to have ronda back um i think that we need that to kind of mix things up we need more people becky needs more people to work with charlotte needs more people to work with like it needs to happen where the hell is oscar Dude, where is Asuka? I don't know. I've been wondering this as well. So what she, I know she was out with an injury for a while, but she has just 
been off TV for, I don't even know when the last time was she was on TV, to be completely honest. I, I'm not sure what the time frame is, but it has been a very long time. It's got to be at Rumble, right? I would think so, because arguably, it has to be. she is your best in-ring performer. Oh my God, yes. And her and Becky already have a built-in storyline as well. There's so much there that they can get to. But here's what I'm going to say, and do I, you know, I feel like a bit of a homer saying this. I truly would love to see Lita go on another run. I want to see it. I really do. I think she definitely still has it in her. You want to talk about somebody being able to like give a real rub. Lita is that girl. Like I would love to see Lita go on. Like to see Lita do a program from Rumble into Mania. Have that moment. Like that would be cool as all hell. She looks amazing. Uh, She seems like she feels amazing. I know she's taking her training quite seriously while like still having fun and enjoying everything. I really would love to see this happen. I mean, Lita is a once in a lifetime generational talent. Could you imagine Lita having a program with Rhea and really mentoring Rhea? Riddle me this. Hear me out on this one. What if we see Lita reunite with Team Extreme? I mean... What's your face? You're, what are you thinking about this? I think it'll melt people's minds, but the question is, like, are you bringing them back when you just released one? No, no, no. I mean somewhere else. I don't mean under WWE. I mean somewhere else. Oh, oh yes. If that were to happen. Oh, my God. And, you know, trios are a big to-do now in professional wrestling again. I I would love to see her... Maybe show up someplace else, do the business, pop the crowd, hit the moonsault. What she's been practicing, by the way. I think she would be trending on Twitter and, and people like their brains would melt and ooze would out die. of their ear. It would be so cool. Um, okay, so let's get down to it. Final finals. Who do you see winning the Women's Royal Rumble? Now you put the dark horse Ronda Rousey into my head. And looking at this roster, would I like to see Bianca become a two-time WWE Women's Royal Rumble winner? Absolutely. But if they do do this dark horse and Ronda does come back, because like you said, they have to zhuzh something for WrestleMania, man, I'm going Ronda Rousey comes back, 27 spot, does like the judo throws and whatever, and- I don't give a damn about my reputation. Everyone freaks out. She comes and then she does the infamous point to the sign. It is with the point. I'm a little torn. I want it to be Lita. I honestly would really love to see Lita win it and have a get her mania moment. I think it would be really, really cool. Um, I think she can go. But um, as my other option, I'm gonna I would give two options because it's uh, the name. The show is in my namesake, so I'm giving myself two picks here. <laughs> I like the idea of Oscar coming back. I really like that idea. Um, I think I would love to see her come in and just kick everyone's ass. I think it's. Honestly, I think it's really special that she has been off TV as long as she has. I don't know if there's anything more to it. I know she was out with an injury, but like I said, like, I don't know. I don't know how healed she is. Maybe she's been healed for quite some time. Maybe I'm talking up my ass and everyone listening to this is like, no, she's out with this, this, and this, and I just don't actually know. Um, But if she's being kept off for a reason, like, there's something to be said for being off TV for a little bit and rebuilding your stock, you know, and and having that big pop and having that big moment. And that could be it for Asuka. I mean, she's such a star. 
Uh, she's so important to that women's locker room and to that division. Uh, I would, lo- I would love to see Oscar as well. Oscar Lita, my final answer. <laughs> Um, okay, so the men's Royal Rumble is honestly, I don't, I don't know. Can I tell you this? Let me tell you this. I love the Royal Rumble, but I don't feel that passionately about the men's Royal Rumble right now. I'm more interested in the women's, to be completely honest. So I was doing a little bit of a Rumble preview on uh, my serious show with Misha. Granted, Misha doesn't watch much professional wrestling, so we were just kind of like, you know, batting a few things around. But um, I looked at the men's and I'm like, I just don't know. I don't know what's interesting to me here. I don't know what's really talking to me. I mean, let's let's go through the, a couple of names, right? Let's let let's see what we have here. Rattle them and, off. And, and again, you tell me what tickles the pickle. I think we're gonna get more surprises for the dudes than we would for the women. I ho- well, yeah. I mean, you would hope so. There's there's definitely more to work with. Which, by the way, hashtag free Ali. Uh, but we'll save that for afterwards. I'm just gonna yell out pickle when my pickle's been tickled. Kevin Owens. God, I kind of like Kevin Owens, actually. Okay, I'm going to give like a half pickle. I'm going to circle back to fill out that pickle afterwards. I'm going to give a half pickle to KO. My best friend and yours, Big E. God, I love Big E. Obviously, I love Big E. <sighs> I know, I know, I know. But it was like, it was like you, just, you, you just, you took the belt off of him so prematurely. And now do you start the, the chase again when he's been off TV and it was really nothing interesting going on the last two weeks with him? Like, what, what are you yeah. doing? Like, yeah, like, what do we do? And, like, the thing is, honestly, with Big E, where, like, the way I look at him is he's so talented and so beloved. Obviously, I want to see him in those title pictures. I want to see him as champ, but I don't think he needs to have a title to be important. He's so damn good. Um, right. But he's always, I think at this point, I feel like he's always going to kind of be reinserted into those championship matchups, you know? I think he has to I hope now. So. You know what I mean? Like he he yeah. looks like an action figure. He's built like one. So freakishly um flexible too. Freakishly. <laughs> it's so weird. How does he move like that? He used to send me and Brody montages of him stretching. <laughs> Those should be released to the public. Let me just say that. <laughs> And it would you would see it like he would progress it that he would do full splits. Bizarre. It's so weird. I don't get it. So okay, so Kevin Owens, um, Big E. We're starting off hot. Uncle Allen, AJ Styles. I want to see more from Uncle Allen. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. He's so good. And I just feel like we need more AJ Styles in our lives. He's been with the company six years. He's a two-time WWE world champion. He is a Grand Slam champion. He's held everything. He completed the cycle. So the question is, what's left for him? You know, how long does he have left on his deal? Does he want to be in a full-time program again? Or does he like doing things where he gets to work with young talent like Omas? And now him and Omas, like, you know, go their separate ways. And Omas can go off and do his own thing now, you know? Does he want to take more of that role? You know, so so who really knows? But I think he is such a special guy and you're just he's just there. And it's crazy to me. Isn't that fucking crazy? And you want to talk about somebody that you thought would never and they never did this. And this was a total surprise. And you were there. You seen it in person when he showed up and debuted at the Royal Rumble. How was that? I can't remember what I was doing at Rumble at that point. I think I was probably doing like the kickoff show and maybe doing some interviews and whatnot. 
But yeah, I remember like the crowd's reaction, but it was more so like everyone in the back being so excited that AJ Styles was there and to have him in the mix. And it was like, it was really special too. And it was like AJ and the Good Brothers and then Finn Balor. And it was like, oh my God, what are we? It just felt like this whole new dream team club, if you will, making their way into WWE. And it it really was so special and so cool. And that felt forbidden doorish of like, oh my gosh, what are we getting here? And like, how, like, is AJ just going to get to be AJ? He doesn't have to like have a whole new character change or anything like that. Like we just get AJ Styles. It's cool. And that year to me was super cool because he did something and Cody did this too. And nobody really gives them the flowers for this. And I think we should on this show where they all worked a Wrestle Kingdom and a Mm -hmm. WrestleMania around the same time like oh, AJ cool. AJ worked Wrestle Kingdom and then did the Rumble weeks apart from each other <gasps> wait what if Will Ospreay enters the Royal Rumble I think that would be incredibly cool because WWE, if you read the dirt sheets, brother, (laughs) you know, they really want to have a relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling. My pickle's been tickled. I mean, you mentioned Osprey and it's going... (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. And then like you say, to keep him strong, let's just say a former... New Japan performer either in AJ, Nakamura, or Ferg can eliminate him. It should be Ferg. I think it should be Ferg. Or Shin. I love Shinsuke. Can we talk about those two? I would love to. They're clearly going to be in it, but what are you doing with Ferg and Shinsuke? Yeah, I really don't get it. It's like, like, you know, I look at somebody like Shinsuke Nakamura and I just, I adore him. But him as a performer... He's got one of the best entrances in the game. He's just one of, he's just so efficient. He's so good at what he does. And for him to just feel middle of the road right now is a bummer. That's going to be one of those things that ends up in a fucking headline dirt sheet thing saying that I said someone was middle of the road, which is annoying. That's not what I mean. Totally misquote you as usual. Oh my God. It's my nightmare. But uh, no, I I just I think that Shinsuke is so talented and he's just got such a cool look. He's so different from everybody else that you got to find a way to keep him special, keep him special and find a way to make him work and make him connect and put him in spots to succeed. He's amazing. And, And Finn Balor, it's like I you know, the guy looks like a million bucks. Never remember, or I'll never forget when he first um, signed to uh, to WWE as part of NXT, and he was like, he was working on his entrance. I think with like Hunter, or maybe Undertaker. I don't know who all was there, but uh, um, I remember William Regal was like, "What do you, what do you think of him? What do you think of of, of Fergal Devitt, the Prince?" And I was like, "Oh, I mean, yeah, I think he was asking me if I thought he was like handsome. I'm like, yeah, of course he's a handsome guy." And he's like, "Yes." But he also looks like he could kill you. (laughs) It was just like the most like regal thing where I was like, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. But yeah, I mean, Finn Balor's, he's, yeah, he looks like a million bucks. Like, what else can you say? Like, he's such a great wrestler. He looks awesome. He's, he's got all of the tools. He's got them all. Okay. So moving forward, we have the United States champion, Damian Priest, who, they should start to strap the rocket to that kid's back. Giddy up. He's got it. It's time to really move him up the ranks. 
I think this is going to be your pick. I really think this gets the pickle throbbing. I think it's Johnny Knoxville. Oh, calm down. <laughs> My pickle is shriveled. I love Johnny Knoxville. I like I and honestly the Jackass movies, I love them. I love the Jackass movies so much. I actually love that Sami Zayn is the go-to guy for shenanigans like this at this point. Like it was just funny because Sami Zayn is such a great wrestler. Um he's one of Honestly, he's one of the best. Like, I feel like he can instantly pop into any promotion, adapt, do his thing, and he can go, and he's so entertaining, he's so great. But he also has this other side of him. Like, when he's just in, like, promo, Sami Zayn, conspiracy theory, hat on, all of those things, like, he cracks me up. It's so funny, and he, I mean, he's just, he's so good in those moments, so I'm actually really looking forward to see what happens between uh, Johnny Knoxville and Sami Zayn. Yeah, no, he's a he's a special type of performer in regards he to, is. you know he could do the wrestling, wrestling, wrestling thing, yeah. but yeah. to see him really do the entertainment stuff is, is so much better. I love it. And, you know, like, his buddy did it in a mask in El Generico, and now, like, Sammy has to show <laughs> off that he could do it as well, so it's really <laughs> nice to see. It's, it's really so nice. cool. It's nice it, it, it is really funny because, like, yeah, it's, I don't know, I just, I'm such a huge fan of his, but I also think, like, it's really hard sometimes, like, easier said than done for someone to, like, be that larger than life version of themselves, and that's exactly what Sami Zayn is. He's not playing a different person it's him on a hundred and it's so funny. Like, yeah, he's not just like pretending to be somebody else. That's just like Rami being Rami and it's awesome. Now moving forward, we have Kofi Kingston. We have Happy Corbin, Mad Cat Moss, Seamus, Angelo Dawkins, Montez Ford, Rey Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio, Imagine Dominic won the whole damn thing. Oh, I know. Oh, the wrestling Twitter would lose their shit. Um, Austin Theory. Uh, sweet boy. Okay. And what about Austin Theory? What are your thoughts on Austin Theory? I find some of the stuff with Vince, it's kind of confusing. I don't really understand what's going on. What is this dynamic? What is this friendship? What is this I'm having a hard time understanding Vince. Try having him in your ear for three hours and going, I don't know what he just said. And he's going to be really mad that I didn't hear what he said. It's very scary. All right, so who are we picking here? Who are we picking? I'm picking Will Ospreay. I don't think he's going to win it. Sorry, but I do think he's going to be in it. <laughs> okay. I do think he's going to be in it. Um, I'm going to go KO. Damn, that was my choice. Okay. <laughs> we can both pick KO. That's fine. Can we? All right. Yeah, I just don't want to whiz team. off your juice, bro. All right, so we both pick KO. I like that. Honestly, I like KO, but I, I, but the thing I'm most proud of is me realizing that Will Ospreay might be in the Royal Rumble, and I'm a genius. All right, well, guys, let us know what you think of our picks and predictions for the Royal Rumble. Um, I can't wait. I'm super pumped. Um, Lita's going to win the whole thing. She's going to go into WrestleMania. She's going to be the champ. It's going to be cool as hell. Can't wait. Uh, <laughs> uh, thanks for listening guys this has been the sessions brought to you by me Renee Jane Paquette and Emilio Vincent Medunio the third we were talking about that before we caught on here I was like wait what generation are you again the third subscribe to our YouTube channel please you tell them I'm sick of telling them and write something nice in the description when you subscribe to the podcast as well give us a five star because the more you do that we move up the ranks and we know you care. All right, well, deuces. 